Oh, good evening, guys. How are y'all doing? I am obviously not Lynn, um, and I'm not homeless, like he likes to tell people. So when he tells you that, tell him how hateful that is, and to be nice. Um, my name is Tim Beal. I'm the high school pastor here, and I get the honor of sitting with you guys today. I'm a little nervous about tonight. Um, I've never done a verse-by-verse study through Song of Solomon, so I really don't know where this is going. So um, I'm prepared, I hope. Um, Please tell me we're really not in Song of Solomon, right? Somebody? No? Okay, that's where we're going, then it's your fault. Um, No, we are looking through the book of Philippians. No, Ephesians is where we're at, right? Somebody help me? Ephesians, that's where we are. So if you've got your Bibles, man, let's go. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to try to get out of Ephesians. And my goal for today, I've heard that this is how it works. Lynn usually gets through one verse, and Aaron tries to beat him. And so he usually tries to get like three verses through. Does that sound good? I'm going to try to finish the, all of chapter 4 and get halfway through 5. So I don't know what that looks like. We may go real fast. Not really. I'm just going to try to get through 4 and so we can start fresh with 5, whoever's up next, and, and kind of can go from there. Um, let's, let's recap a little bit. Uh, just in case you weren't here last week, just so we know what's going on with Ephesians 4. We're towards the end of it. Last week, around verse 25-ish, I think is where Aaron kind of kicked in. Um, You've got some really cool stuff going on around verse 25 through verse Um, 28-ish. Y'all talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit being part of God himself, which we're going to continue with that here in just a minute. Um, Talked a little bit about living in a way that doesn't cause grief of the Holy Spirit. Um, That was a part of it. We read a little bit about we are changed by Jesus and have a new life. Get rid of the old life and put on a new one. We talked about not being angry anymore. Uh, So here at the end of this, we're all going to hug each other and no longer be angry with anybody. There's some things that we should be angry about, right? There's righteous anger, but the key and the trick in this is to not sin in your anger. So we should be angry about some things, uh, but we shouldn't sin in our anger was was part of where, where that was going. And then kind of ended it all out with, if you're doing things that would grieve the Holy Spirit, stop. And it's that simple. And that's where we're picking up today. So we're we're starting in verse 29. Does that sound, did I leave anything out? Is that pretty much everything Aaron talked about last week? Just, he was a lot smarter and used bigger words. Um, Okay, we're going to start in verse 29. We're going to go through this. And some of it's easy, some of it's not. So know that I'm struggling right along with you as we do this. Um, Let's look in verse 29 and get this going. Um, It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We really need to watch what we're saying. What what if we, we change this a little bit? And what if the things that we said, we said things to lift others up and not to bring each other others down? I've been in ministry for a while and I've heard everything from sermon series where people are coming up to pastors telling them, man, why would you talk about that? And they miss the fact that hundreds of people gave them their lives to Christ that week. Um, and, and, but man, and rather than having uplifting words, they're slamming on what's going on and they're bringing them down. What if we change tonight the way that we talk? And we just took that advice. I said just a second ago, man, if we're doing things that we shouldn't do, let's just stop. I don't know why we make it so much more difficult than that, but let's just quit doing what we know we shouldn't do and start doing what we should and this world will be a better place. Amen? I don't know what amen means, but hopefully you're going to say that some tonight, because some of the things in here I'm going to get a little excited about, and that way I know that you're excited about it too, so feel free to yell that out, because that's going to help me, and it's going to help all of us somehow. I don't know, but it's going to. Um, what if we, 
we change the way that we talk. Have you had one of those experiences maybe with a coworker, somebody who liked to stir up trouble? I don't know about you, but I, I hate being around those people. And I know hate's a strong word, but I really don't like being around those people. I, I had a coworker that was way too excited about the Dallas Cowboys, which is a sin in itself. <laughs> and any time they lost, which, praise God, was a lot, one of the guys would come in, and the first thing out of his mouth at the start of the day was, hey, did you catch the game yesterday? And this guy, the entire rest of the day at work, was just spent. He was angry. He'd be griping about this. If they would have just done that, he would, man, if this guy hadn't fumbled the whole day, this guy was just messed up. And the other guy that I worked with would walk around with the biggest grin on his face, and he got such a joy out of this guy's pain. And I, I, I'll be honest, I joined in quite a few times, um, more times probably than I should have, but it was before I was in ministry, so it's legal. But I would, I would do my best to spur that on. But why, why do we do that? What if we changed our speech and we changed the things that we said and we changed the things that we did and just follow this verse, just how it's written. Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. My mom told me something once a long time ago. She said, if you want people to listen to what you have to say, have something to say. <laughs> and I think there's wisdom in that. Why, why do we do this? Any, any ideas? Why, why is it easier to tear down than it is to build up? Um, why can't we, why can't we be, why can't we be that person that's, that's uplifting instead of that person that, that drags down so often? What are your thoughts? I think it's easier to uplift yourself by bringing someone down than it is to humble yourself to bring someone else up. I think that's a, a, that's it right there. It's easier to make you feel better about yourself if somebody else looks worse. Unfortunately, and it's easier to point out somebody else's faults than our own sometimes. I think you're exactly right. Um, th- this is simple. What, what if we changed it a little bit, flip just a little bit to the right to James? And let's look in James 3 because there's, there's, some, there's some wisdom in this that, that goes out of Ephesians into James that I think has direct, it de- deals directly with this. Look in verse 9 of James 3. James 3 verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. How can we profess to know Jesus with our mouth one day and then tear people down the next? It's kind of like that old adage or that old saying that, you know, the the most dangerous, the the thing that's the most dangerous for the kingdom of heaven is sometimes Christians. We do more to tear down the kingdom than we do to lift it up. What if we change, that's where I want to start tonight. What if we changed how we talk and how we talk about others? And our, our whole purpose in talking was to lift others up instead of to bring them down. I am, I keep this in my Bible, which I know you can't read it, um, I keep this in my Bible because I, I was, my very first church, I got hired as an intern. And, and you've got to understand kind of what they were dealing with. And I've had a, a lot of counseling to deal with this. Um, I, I had hair to the middle of my back and rode a motorcycle year-round and got stuck volunteering as an intern in high school ministry at this church somehow. I looked like a hell's angel. And I don't know why they let me around kids because I definitely didn't look like somebody who should be around students, but they put me there. And I, I loved it. And 
I remember walking into church one day and I had a box because as an intern, you're basically, you just do whatever they tell you to and you're just happy to be there. And so I remember I, this, our youth pastor was like, hey, Tim, we got to carry all this stuff in. So I had this huge Rubbermaid tub full of something and I'm carrying it in and I had my baseball hat on and I'm walking into the building and before I could get to my chair to put the stuff down, this gentleman who I really think meant well handed me this. And told me how disgraceful of a leader I was to our students because I was wearing a hat in God's house. And some of the verses on it, I, I still don't know what it has to do with anything, but it has to do with like, um, one of them is, but, and it's just one, two, three, four, five verses of scripture that are horribly out of context. But it was all about me being a terrible leader to people and how I was such a bad influence on these students. And this was one of the deacons in the church, one of the elders in the church, and one of the verses is like, um, Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Like, well, yeah, but why does that, do you just not like the Dodgers? Should I wear, you know, if I had a Rangers hat on, would that be the good of others? I don't understand. And then one of the verses was everyone, every man who um, prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. I was like, man, I, there's a lot more dishonor going on on this head than just a hat. So I don't know what that has to do with anything. And then there's a verse, a man not ought to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. So I was like, well, should I let my wife wear the hat in? I don't, I'm so dis, I don't know what to think about this. But then he put below all of it and he, he had all that printed out and it's got a real pretty font. Um, it's even got a little cross down here on the bottom. And then he wrote love in Christ <laughs> and put his name. I was like, what do I do with this? Uh, I don't ever want to go to church again. And it, I kept thinking, what if we used our words to build up instead of to tear down? This, this is one thing that, and I don't know if you've noticed this about Cornerstone, but this is one thing that I love about this church is we accept people for being people. And we don't accept sin, but we accept you for being you and how God has built you. And I, I love that. I, I grew up very Southern Baptist, small town country church is my background. That's kind of, and, and honestly, I, I'm still purging myself from that, um, which I hope mom's not listening to this. Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm trying to, to get some of that out of me. And not, not that it's bad, but there's, I have a lot of bad memories thinking back to that because so much of what I remember was not uplifting. It was more tearing down the body of Christ. What, what would our churches look like, guys, if, if seriously, if we, we not only lifted up the people in this body, but we lifted up the bodies of Christ around us? Where would that put us, you think? I don't think we, we hold fast to even what James was saying to how powerful the tongue is and how powerful the gift of words that we have is to others. My oldest brother stopped going to church at 17 because a woman who meant really well, again, in church, told him to go home and change, that he didn't look appropriate to be in God's house. He had on jeans and a t-shirt. And from 17 until he died at 42, he never went back again. What if we lift it up instead of tore down? How, how can we put this into motion? Because it's great, and I, I love the mind because it's not just reading and let's understand things, it's application. So what are some, what are some realistic things we can do, guys, that, that's not just the frou-frou where we can, well, I can give Lynn a hug when I see him. That's great. He loves hugs. Do that. <laughs> hug him and then don't let go. Just hold on to him and, and hug him. But what can we do seriously that, that could, could be the direct opposite of this, that we could build the body up by, by our speech?
I think as kids we were all told by our parents uh, that if we had nothing nice to say, we should just say nothing. Um, And I think that that would probably go a long way in building people up rather than tearing them down. I think that, man, that's a great point. I think a lot of times we don't need to say anything. We just need to be quiet, unfortunately. Um, How do we do do this, though? I mean, seriously, how do we put this into motion? I know I have a a seven-and-a-half-year-old, so... She absorbs everything I say and do. So I'm constantly reminded what I'm doing wrong just by listening to her repeat. Um, And so on the way to school, we typically talk about things that I know she's going to have a problem with throughout the day. And I know how she's going to react because she's just like me. And I try and turn that around as the day starts for her because I know that she will affect others around her. Just one child can make a huge difference as far as other people's reactions to things around them. So for me, I start with my child. Okay. Has anybody, have you had that moment where somebody was that word of affirmation and it totally just like blessed the rest of your day? I have a Miss Patty in my past. She was my third grade Sunday school teacher and she was there until I graduated high school. And she was the best that no matter how you felt, she could just come up and say something to you, and it just made you feel good the rest of the day. You, you felt like you were, I mean, you could conquer the world. Um, we have a lady like that in the office. Um, she works up front, Joyce, here, and every time I see her, she wants to give me a hug, and she tells me how great I am, whether I, she doesn't know how horrible I am, but she makes me feel awesome, and it's those words of affirmation. That, that's our goal for the day when we leave this place. Let's try to to figure out some way that we can affirm someone else and make them feel better about themselves and lift them up and bless the body. Let's go on to the next one. Um, And Aaron touched on this last week. Um, Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let's stop there. What are ways that we grieve God's Spirit? This is heavy. This this is hard right here to think. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? I, I like this real quick, but before you, before you say this, I, I like that this says this because it kind of makes the Holy Spirit personal. It, it's not some weird Casper figure that's floating around out there. It puts a person, because people get grieved. We get sad. So I, I like that aspect of it. How, how, do we, how do we do this? I think as you uh, gain in Christian maturity, you, you have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're more obvious of him being part of your life, and you choose to ignore it even though you hear it. And just flesh or human weakness, you ignore it, and then obviously repent. But as you as your Christian maturity develops, it becomes more and more prominent in your life, and you're more aware of it, but you still choose to ignore it. Definitely, I think ignoring God's promptings in your life and what you know you should do Definitely causes the Holy Spirit to grieve. Do, do we understand, before we dig into this any deeper, kind of what the Holy Spirit is? Uh, and we're not going to get into that fully, because that, that's not where the passage is going. But we understand that the Holy Spirit is a part of God Himself. Right? We understand God's in three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the, but they're all, they're all three in one. Um, kind of like I'm a, a father, I'm a son, but I'm also a brother. I'm three separate bodies, but I'm, I'm still one person. That the Holy Spirit is actually a physical part of God. Um, Let's look in this real quick. Go to Colossians 3 real fast. Just a little bit to your right. Colossians 3, look in verse 7. Colossians 3, verse 7 says this. 
you used, that's a big word, you used to walk in the ways, in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We used to live that way where our lives grieved the Holy Spirit. We used to live that way, man, where we did those things that we knew we shouldn't do. And I, I love the way that Paul puts this. We used to do that, but now let's live different. I, I don't know about you, but growing up, um, I wanted my dad to be proud of me so bad. And it didn't matter if I was mowing the yard, um, if I was trying to skip a rock, uh, if I was trying to, you know, it didn't matter what I was doing. I wanted him to be proud of me. And I think if we took that mindset and started working as if we were trying to make God proud of us, maybe that would help some of this. And and understand it's not works. But what if, again, what if, and I'm going to say that a lot tonight, what if we stopped doing some things that we knew we shouldn't do and started doing things that, that we knew that we should? And maybe it starts with our mouth. Maybe it starts with us, what we say. And tearing people down. And it starts with us lifting people up. What, what if we actually put that in play? And then this grieving of the Holy Spirit, I, I think, is powerful because of what comes next in this verse. Look at the second half of this verse. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were... Everybody say that word. That was like two of you. Um, with whom you were... Okay, that's still like six of us. With whom you were... Thank you. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. One of the aspects of what the Holy Spirit does in our life, and one of the things that we get as a gifting of the Holy Spirit, is this beautiful word, sealed. And, and I, I want you to see kind of some other places wh- where this is used. Um, we've got to get out of this mindset, though, before we can understand fully what this is talking about, of who the Holy Spirit is. It's like I said a moment ago, it's not, it's not Casper that sneaks into your house, steals your cupcakes, scares your kid, and then flies to your neighbors. That's a horrible cartoon. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't this, you know, woo being that just kind of floats around you and makes you feel all weird. It's not your conscience. The Holy Spirit, is the pres- he's the presence of God in your life. And I love, I love the way that Paul words this. Again, he says, with whom you were sealed. Let's look at at something else. Um, look in Ephesians earlier in chapter 1. And you may have already gone over this, so um, if you did, just kind of bear with me. But there's some things I want you to see that, that go with this word sealed. Look in Ephesians 1. Look in verse 13. It says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the, excuse me, to the praise of his glory. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is seal us as God's child. Have you ever struggled with salvation? I have. I'm just being, being completely honest. I've, I've done something really stupid and then thought, wow, maybe I'm not a believer. Um, Maybe that was that wasn't, you know, the Holy Spirit moving in my life. Maybe that was like really bad Mexican food. Maybe that feeling that I had when I thought I accepted Jesus wasn't Jesus. And maybe I'm really not saved. This word sealed is a guarantee. It's a deposit. And I don't know if you noticed kind of how it's worded here. It it starts, look, look in verse 13. It starts when you hear the word of God. 
And then what's next? You hear the word of God and then you believe what you hear. And, and it's right there. It's also included when you heard the word of, of truth, which is the Bible or God's salvation, the gospel of your salvation right there. Having then believed, you are marked in him with a seal. You know what the seal did in this culture? It showed ownership, but then it also showed protection. The seal that you have showed who you belong to, but then it also showed who protected you. How does that change your thoughts right now? Just, I, I just before we go into any farther through, through this, when we receive Christ as our Savior, He gives us this gifting, this seal of the Holy Spirit. Part of Himself is, is gifted inside of us. And it's sealed. And, and think for a second, kind of what, what another example of the way that this word was used was documents. When they would print something up, they would roll it up tight and they would usually put clay or wax over the kind of the seam of that, that parchment. And then they would take a signature ring of the king or the messenger, whoever was sending it out, and they would roll that in the clay or in the wax and they would let that harden and it would seal that document. And that way when you received it, you knew that nobody had opened it up or nobody had tampered with it. You knew that what was written on it, when it was written by the hand that was sending it to you, was the same as you were receiving it. And it was sealed, it was secured, and you knew that. I love what God says here, that we're sealed for the day of redemption. What does that do for you? That's a good spot for amen. Just, I'm going to throw that out there. That's a great spot to know that no matter what I do, I'm sealed for the day of redemption. And we're not, going to get in, we're not going to get into that argument of, man, can you lose your salvation? That that's not where this passage is headed. And I think if you'll, if you'll read it, and actually let's look at a couple other ones. Man, go to 2 Corinthians 1. Go back a little bit to your left. Look in 2 Corinthians 1 and look in verse 21. And hopefully you're about to get excited. If somebody needs to herky or anything like that, do a toe touch because this is going to get good right here. Look in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. It says, now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. That's cool. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Do you understand now a little bit why it's important, why we watch what we say? Do you understand now a little bit why it's important why we should uplift instead of tear down with our speech? Because we have this seal of who's inside of us. When I first got my driver's license, my dad had gone, oh gosh, he had never had a ticket before, never even a parking ticket. And so I'm at 16 and I just got pulled over for doing 55 in a construction zone in a 20. And I remember going home and talking to him about, hey, Dad, I got a ticket. You know, I'm really sorry. And him giving me this lecture of how I just ruined his perfect driving record in his name. And I thought, oh, my, I didn't know. And it probably wouldn't have stopped me from speeding because I was in a hurry. But I at least felt worse. And so he did a great job with that. But I was representing my dad's name. And that, that's always been a big thing in my family was, hey, Tim, when you leave the house tonight, you're representing us. And it, it did kind of help me in some decisions. Do we realize who we're representing because of the seal on our life with what we say? Look in 
Go just a little bit farther to the right in 2 Corinthians 5. Look in chapter 5, verse 5. Because this is the purpose, one of the purposes of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5 says, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I think part of why, to answer the question from a moment ago, tell me if you agree with this or not. If you don't, tell me softly so it doesn't scare me. I think part of why we tear down instead of lift up is because we forget where we belong. Does that make sense? We weren't really created for this planet. We're, we're created, we're aliens, like Paul says. We're strangers. We're, we have a promise of something better, but yet we get content with wanting what's here. And so we tend to build our speech around what's here. Have you hung out with somebody that's from a foreign country for any length of time and noticed how you try to talk like them? Does anybody do that, or is it just me? Um, I really want someone from the UK to live in near my house because I want to have a British accent so bad just because I think it would be really cool. But I know that whenever I hang out with people, my speech kind of a, reflects who I'm out with. What if we started changing our friends and our neighbors and our kids, like somebody was saying? What if we started changing our, our children's speech because they started reflecting what we're saying and we were reflecting the seal of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that was living inside of us? That sounds great on paper, and that's definitely a good thing to say in church, but this is, this is where it comes to, to fruition. How do we do that? Any ideas? How do we model that? And that's not rhetorical. I would love for you to answer that because I would love to know. How do we model this? I have one idea, and somebody tell me what you think. I think if we watched who we put ourselves around, maybe, and we started putting ourselves around people who are lifting up Christ, I know we can't do that all the time. And maybe we took a second to think before we spoke, slow to speak, and thought things through before they came out of our mouth. I have a horrible problem of it hitting here way before it hits here. Um, Terrible problem. But what if we just took time to, to try to think that through? Let's look at the next one. Actually, before we do that, let's look at the end of this verse just one last time because there's something I don't want us to miss. And do not grieve the, we're still in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. The end of the verse says, for the day of redemption. Do we see where our salvation, I I love the last song that we sang, do we see where our salvation comes from? I think this is part of why we make other people look worse so we look better, is because we also, not only do we forget who the Holy Spirit is and that it's actually a part of God that dwells inside of us, and actually think this way for a second. How, does, how would that change what we say or what we do if we had that mindset of the holy creator of the universe dwells inside of me? That should change maybe some things that we watch, some things that we say. Go ahead. One of the things that my mom always taught me and I've used as a way to model the behavior is... Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And speak to others the way that you would want to be spoken to. That would be huge. Any other good mom audit, like good mom sayings? Mom, why are y'all so smart at this? How do y'all do, is there a book that men don't get? 
There's a book out there that's just for women that helps you guys be smarter mothers than we are fathers. I, I don't have a good mom saying, but I, I tend to agree with what you said earlier about how you left your house and you were representing your father. Well, we need to remember who we represent when we're out around and the people that we surround ourselves with. So. Definitely. It's one of those things where we need to maybe forget who we are and remember whose we are. That could be huge. My mom had a saying, and I didn't really understand it until after high school, but she said it all the time, was just because you say you're a tree doesn't make you a tree. What are you, like a fortune cookie now, Mom? What does that mean? And she would say it all the time, Tim, just because you say you're a tree doesn't make you a tree. And I was like, I never really understood it until high school. And it was, man, just because you say you're a Christian, you know, that doesn't really mean a lot. It's what we say, what we do, what we, how we, who we are that's going to reflect really what we are. The old one, you can park in a, or you can sleep in a garage, but it doesn't make you a car. We can do a lot of things with our mouth. Why not lift up? And let's lift up others instead of us. Um, th- this is huge, and, and I love this because it's reminding us of salvation isn't really based on us. It's based on the Holy Spirit inside of us, which, again, that we just got comes from hearing and believing. It's faith in Christ only. Um, let's look at the next one. Verse 30. Anybody else real quick before we go to verse 31? Yes, sir. Well, doesn't this all go back to uh, serving two masters? The world wants, to, we want to look good in the world's eyes. So the way we do that is if we can't accomplish what we think we should accomplish, the people that accomplish it, we try to cut them down so we look better instead of serving God, which is just the opposite, being humble. So we're kind of torn between the two and we follow one or the other. Why is it so hard to stop? Because I love what he says, man. If Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. There's really no plan for it. He just says, don't. Because doing those things is what causes grief to the Holy Spirit. Why? We make that so hard because we are. We're more concerned about what others think. Unfortunately, um, we've, we're more concerned about who we are instead of whose we are so many times. I have a theory about that, and that is if we can't model that behavior within our own family if we're we're spending all our time keeping up with the joneses and looking like that on the outside but we can't do that within our own family to our spouse um to our children uh to the people that come to our home if we're not modeling that behavior then we it doesn't become something that is part of our integrity and part of our character. It has to be who we are, and not. Yeah, you're right. I, I've I read in a book recently that there's there's actually five gospels and not four. There's the four that are in the Bible, and then you. And people usually don't read the four in the Bible. They read you, which is kind of scary. Um, let's let's look at verse 31. This this is where it gets good. Hopefully, not that it's not bad, but this is where. I love this part. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You ready? This is, this is how we do it. This is the, where the rubber meets the road. This is where it all comes into play. Stop. That's it. That's genius, huh? That's eight years of school right there. Stop. Just quit. Get rid of it. What we're doing that we shouldn't do that's causing grief to the Holy Spirit, what we know we shouldn't do, stop. Get rid of it. 
separate it from our lives. And, and I love the term get rid of because it's, it's like total removal. It's, it's almost, it, it's to the point where it's, it's taking it from your life to a point where you can never grab it back in. But what's our tendency so many times? We get rid of it, but we leave it just close enough that if we really want it later, we can grab it and pull it back in. Right? Or is that just me? And then when we feel bad about it again, we get rid of it, but then we pull it back in. And then we get rid of it. And there, there's something else in here. Let, let's just get rid of that. And, and I bet right now, which I'm not going to do this, but I bet right now if we just stopped for a second and just said, hey, let, let's just pray. God, what's in my life that I need to get rid of? And we really prayed that and we meant it and we really weren't just saying it um, or thinking about something else. We really did that. I honestly believe with all my heart that God would show us things that are in our life that we should not have in our lives. And that's the first step. And then the second step is actually getting rid of that. But we don't. And it's because of what all of you guys have said so far. It's because we're holding on to us. We're more, I don't know about you, but I think that my plan for my life sometimes is better than God's plan for my life. Do you do that? I think I know what's better for me than God does. And so I've got to hold on to this because God, this is what's best for me. And it's pretty clear, man, get rid of of this. I love this verse, though, and let's look at this for a second, and I want to hear your thoughts. It says, get rid of all bitterness, and do you see how each of these words build on each other? Get rid of all bitterness, which bitterness builds to rage, and rage builds to anger. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and then anger is going to build to to brawling and to to slander. Isn't that usually the, the progression in our lives? We start with being bitter about something, maybe we're wronged, Somebody does something to us and we have that, we said earlier, it's okay to be angry as long as you don't sin. So we have that righteous anger and then we, we don't forgive and so we hold on to it and that bitterness comes into our lives and we, we sit there and that bitterness then turns to rage and we get angry and we see that person and it's all we can do to not give them just biblical Old Testament stoning where we're pelting them with stuff. Man, we're, we're doing everything we can and then it, it gets into that brawling and slander do you struggle with bitterness is it hard for you to let go of things and forgive how how do we how do we do that because i understand it's important to remember what's been done so that we you know don't make the same mistake twice i get that wisdom and i agree with you 100 percent why do we hold on to that junk though because the first part of this is get rid of it this thing that's causing you bitterness, man, this thing that's causing you to, to stumble, get rid of it. Why, why, do we, why do we hold on to that? I think it's easier to be angry about something than to forgive somebody for something. I think you're right. It's easier for us to be angry, maybe because we were right. And we should be angry. Maybe somebody did something to you and it's blatantly, dude, this is wrong. And you totally hosed me and I'm ticked off. And if you walk in front of me, so help me. If I'm in my car, it's on. And I'm, man, that's right. Or if they cut us off or we can hold on to that, that rage because it's, we were wronged, right? I think that uh, we're always, we're, we're so temporal in our thinking that things that are so immediate, are, that's what's always on our mind. We don't think things through in the long term. So to to realize, hey, this bitterness will grow inside of me, and who knows, five years later, something horrible will happen. We don't ever think about that because now is the time. 
I think you're exactly right. And do you see how this feeds into what we read just a few minutes ago? Into our speech? And we hold on to that bitterness and maybe that affects what we're saying about other people. And it's hard for us to lift other people up because we're angry or we're bitter. We've got somebody wronged me in the past and so now I'm reflecting that out on you. I think something I find for myself is that I'm usually only bitter against people that I'm better than. And I can remain bitter with them because I can constantly remind myself that I'm better than somebody else. I think you, man, I think that's a, a lot of us. That's not just you. In fact, we could probably start a support group tonight. <laughs> Bitterness Anonymous. I don't know. I, I read this today, and, and this, is, this is powerful. Um, if we dwell on evil that's been done to us or anger we have with someone, we allow that anger to ferment and to sour in our hearts. And it winds up destroying our peace. I read that fast. Let me say it again. If we dwell on evil that has been done to us or anger we have with someone, we allow that anger to ferment and sour in our hearts and it will destroy our peace. It also will affect what we say. seems like Jesus said that the mouth is the overflow of the heart. So what's inside of here is eventually going to come out of here. Look in verse 32, because that, that's, that's the horrible part, right? Nobody likes to amen that because then it shows that we're angry, bitter people. And the amen is all amen, and we're, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. So look in verse 32. Verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as... And we, hold on, we'll save the end. Do you notice the contradiction in the two between verse 31 and verse 32? For 31 is get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of the, the filth. And then 32 comes in and is the opposite side of that spectrum. Get rid of all bitterness and rage. Be kind and compassionate. Get rid of the brawling and the slander. Forgive each other. I think that as men, ladies, and and don't get angry with me, but I think men, we're better at this than women. Ladies, you hold on to stuff forever. Holy cow. Somebody wrongs you and 30 years from now, you still want to hit them with a shoe. And it doesn't matter what it was, but y'all hold on to stuff forever. Men will fight and punch each other and 10 minutes go by and we're best friends. And I don't know why we're different like that, but, and maybe that's not true of all women, but I, I think we, and honestly, that, that's not just women. Guys, we do that too, unfortunately. How do, we, how do we put this in motion? Because guys, again, this is great knowledge, but if it's just knowledge, it's worthless. Right now, where you're at, what if we did this? God, what, what in my life am I holding on to that I need to get rid of? Just you. Not getting in groups, not holding hands, no kumbaya. Just you and God. Those words. God, what in my life am I holding on to that I need to get rid of? Ready, Go. Have you got something? Maybe you didn't. That doesn't mean you did it wrong. If you didn't, I would challenge you every day to wake up and that be the start of your day. God, what's in my life that doesn't belong? And then the next step in that is get rid of it. And this, this is why. And I, I don't know about you, but this is, this is where you can amen in just a second because this is huge. This is what I love about Jesus. This is exactly what he did. Do you understand? He's not telling you to do something that he couldn't do. 
or he didn't want to do. Look at the, verse, the end of verse 32. It says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Remember that seal that we talked about a moment ago, the gifting of the Holy Spirit that's put in your life when we what? When we hear and we believe? That gifting, that seal of God's presence, part of God himself, part of the creator put inside of us. That God has forgiven you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Again, we're not going to share this, but real quick, think for just a second. The best thing that you've ever done. It could be helping 50 old people across the street. Maybe you bought 7,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies and sent that girl to camp. Best thing you've ever done. Go. Have you got it? Best thing you've ever done. Okay, now, ready? Opposite side of that spectrum. Absolute worst thing you've ever done. That one's not quite as much fun. Got it? Do you understand that God forgave you of both of those? We hold on to that thing that we've, that we've done that's so good and we think that, man, this is great and that's our, that's our future. And we remember that one thing that we did, unfortunately, and that's where we, a lot of times, we like to camp. Or, the opposite end of that spectrum, we hold on to that thing that we've done that we shouldn't have done and we struggle with forgiveness on it. And we hold it. And do you understand that we can't grow and we can't move forward if we don't let go of both of those? And we don't get rid of it? And we don't move forward? It's hard to move forward when we're focusing on what's behind us. Go ahead. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Okay, it... Sometimes it's easy... Okay, has anybody ever, you know, you can forgive a stranger faster than you can forgive family or vice versa? I have heard that. Because I can go back and forth. I know know acquaintances, I can forgive them, but then when it comes to other people, it's like it still sits on my shoulders like 10 years Mm -hmm. later. I, I, are you asking me why that is? Or you, no, is I'm that, just saying, okay, I'm just saying in general. It is, it is a lot easier to forgive someone maybe that you don't know versus someone that you've known and you've led into your, your circle of friends or is family. And I think a lot of that is because we expect more from people that we know. And it's easier to, to forgive someone that we really don't have a relationship with. Do you see why we should forgive, though, and why we should cast this stuff away? Because it's right here. And it's because Christ... And God forgave you. And so we get rid of this rage and anger and we forgive. And we get rid of that, that junk and we replace it with exactly what Jesus did in our life. That thing that we just thought of just a second ago, maybe the worst thing that we ever did. Let, let's put that in perspective now. Do we understand that that was done after Jesus died for you? Let, let's, let's get... Let's think this through, right? God knows everything, right? That's not an argument that we shouldn't have to struggle with here. He knows everything. Time really doesn't have any meaning to him. He knew that we were going to do whatever that stupid thing was that's on our mind, and yet he still willfully went to a cross and spread his arms and took nails for us. Amen for that. Praise God. Knowing that we were going to do whatever that stupid thing was, he still forgave us. Shouldn't that make it easier then for us to forgive others? 
knowing what's been forgiven of us, shouldn't that make it easier to forgive somebody else? I was just going to say that most of the time what we do, though, is we might think that thought process, and then we stand back and we wait for others to treat us that way instead of us stepping up and treating that way, treating others that way. And I was telling Stacey earlier, last night I was putting my daughter to bed, and she's five and a half, and I was kind of giving her a talking to and she got a little upset, and I, and when she got upset, of course, I felt guilty, so I said, I'm sorry, Daddy's just grumpy, it's my fault. And she said, it doesn't matter if it's my fault or your fault, Daddy, I forgive you. And of course, that just made me feel ten times worse. And, <laughs> um, but I just thought to myself, I said to Stacy, why aren't we like that? You know, it starts with us, it starts with us. But most of the time, I think we get the logic, but then we step back and wait for other people to do it. I think you're right. It's easier to expect somebody else to do it than it is to, to do it ourselves. I wish we do have that mentality of kids because they're so much better at this than we are. Do we understand though, if we could do this? If, guys, if we can apply this principle, it's going to help us to get rid of a lot of this stuff. It's going to help us to not let the whole unwholesome talk. And, and real quick before you, before you go, is it hard for you to read this and think that this is reality, that, th- that you can actually do this? Because honestly, when I was reading this yesterday and today and even just kind of thinking through tonight, I'm reading this thinking, okay, really, I've got to change everything that I say, watch everything that comes out of my mouth. I, I've got to constantly be uplifting to people. I, I guess I'm a smurf from now on and I'm constantly happy and everything is beautiful and great around me. How do I do? There's no way I can do that. I'm an idiot. I, I can't make it out the front door with that mentality. And if that's a reality in my life, there's no way. But this is where it comes in, I think, is where it starts, is when we have that children's mentality of, God, you forgave me, so yeah, I'm going to show your forgiveness to others. You don't remember my stupidity. I'm not going to remember that person that wronged me with theirs either. Go ahead. I think the innocence of children, they don't keep score, Hmm. uh, you know, with how many times we've been wronged. I think back to um, why it's easier for us to forgive strangers than uh, family is because we begin to keep score with somebody who we keep coming in contact with. And if they wrong us and then wrong us again and wrong us again, pretty soon we don't have faith in that person or their integrity and we tend to hold on to that bitterness and not be able to forgive or give him the benefit of the doubt. You're exactly right. If you feel comfortable doing this, just a show of hands, if you've done something you know you shouldn't, which we're not going to confess that because that would be weird, but if you've done something that you knew you shouldn't and you had that prayer, okay, God, please forgive me, man. I'm never going to do that again. And then, okay, God, really, I mean it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm never going to do that again. Is that anybody? Keep them up for a second. We're not going to do anything weird, I promise. I just want you to look around. Because it's not just you. We all struggle with, we're all jacked up, (laughs) every one of us. We are some messed up folks, praise God. And we are in good company because that's unfortunately a part of this life. But that's part of what, if you go back up again, the end of verse 30 where it says that you were sealed for the day of redemption. Praise God, there's a day coming. Please give me an amen. There's a day coming where that's not a part of what we're doing. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. Man, there's a day coming where we're not going to have to deal with that anymore. We're not going to have to deal with somebody wronging us. 
Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, I think with time, when you actually see what, uh, what that action that person did to you or against you and kind of the outcome. Uh, so a year ago, I lost my job and didn't have anything. But now I look back at it, and it's like if I didn't have that person do that thing to me, I wouldn't have had as much time with my family. I wouldn't have the job I love that I have now. Like So it's a lot easier now 365 days removed from that to not be angry and to see God's hand at work even though at the time I you know there's no way I, I could forgive that person so isn't that weird how that works though I love this about scripture but if you were here a couple weeks ago when Lynn talked do you remember when he set the stones out on the floor and he was talking about Abraham and getting to that place and it started with this one thing of let's leave but nobody really knew he didn't have a clue what he was doing he's like no that's a terrible plan and God's like, no, just go. And then the next stone and the next step, he's like, this is a terrible plan. And then finally, when he got to where he was going and he got to see what God had planned for him, which again, we're, man, we're trapped in this little peephole of what we see as, with, as God's plan. And unfortunately, we, we twist that in with our plan and we're stuck right there. And we, a lot of times we do, we think, man, this is horrible. God, are you not paying attention? <laughs> Did I not pray loud enough? Um, man, what's going on? And, and we're stuck in this, and then we don't see what God has ahead of us. And I, I think that's not just in, in, in situations like that, but I think we do that with bitterness with other people. Sometimes we see that thing that happened, and we, man, it becomes personal. Like somebody over here said a second ago, we, we have, it's a personal thing against us. And it's really not against us. And it could push us towards something that God has that's better for us but we get hung up on that moment. This, this is something that, that I've started doing and it's really helped me and I don't know if it'll help you, but if right now you're thinking about the whole bitterness thing and you're really angry, maybe it's somebody and maybe you came in here tonight and you're just like fed up and somebody, maybe it's a family member, they continue to do something, maybe it's a boss, somebody's really ticked you off and maybe it's righteous, maybe it's not. I've started praying for those people. You know how hard it is to be angry at somebody when you're praying blessings for those people? And I'm not praying stuff like, God, please, like, rip their house up, Jesus. Like, Old Testament plagues, frogs from the sky, uncontrollable body sicknesses, God, mess them up. Give them boils, make them not sleep, Jesus, make their TV break. Do, no, not that type of prayer. What if you started praying for those people, hey, Jesus, would you bless so-and-so? God, today, would you give them the greatest day that they've ever had? You know how hard it is to be mad at people when you're praying for God to bless them? It's a real simple thing, but it's, it's worked for me. I'm having a really hard time being angry at people who I feel have wronged me when I'm praying for blessings in their life. And God's really worked. So I, I think it's a, it's a really simple thing that we can do that hopefully will kind of switch this around a little bit. And maybe it'll make us, I don't know, maybe it'll, it'll remove some of that bitterness and anger. And we've got to watch how we pray it, guys, because seriously, it, it's real easy to turn from, God, please bless that person, bless them with... Oh, God, bless them with something. But <laughs> bless them like you did Pharaoh, Jesus, please. It, it's easy to, to switch to that. So may, maybe that's something we can try. I don't know. It's, it's definitely helped me. I have another uh, mom wisdom. Uh, I had a problem with a boss and was frustrated. And my mom said, honey, you just got to kill her with kindness. <laughs> because the kinder you are to her the more she's going to think about how she's being with you. 
That's an awesome saying, but I've always got hung up on the kill em part and never really made it to the kindness. But you're right, that is a good way to go. Yes. Well, it comes to my mind when Scripture says we must die to flesh daily. And sometimes we've got to die minute by minute. And we've got to give it, give it to Him. Because we can't do it only through Christ. And we have to, have to ask Him to come in, the Holy Spirit, to, to teach us. Die, die to the flesh. Our flesh is ugly. Are we grasping now why it's so important that we understand the gifting of the Holy Spirit being given to you? Because I don't know about you, but this is impossible. And, and just being honest, I, there's some people that I feel have wronged me so deeply that I can't forgive them unless Jesus helps me. Do you see how powerful that is now and how precious of a gift and how beautiful of a gift that is to God to give you that and then to smack his seal on it and to bless us with the gifting of the Holy Spirit? Because that's the only way that we're righteous is through Jesus. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit in our lives, then this is completely impossible. There's no way you can do this. There's no way you can get rid of the malice and anger and stuff when people irritate you. That's heaven. That's going to come eventually. But there's no way we can do that now unless Jesus is inside of you. It is. It's that unconditional. And I love the way that David puts it in the Old Testament throughout the Psalms because he keeps saying the unfailing love of Jesus. Holy cow, I love that word. Would you explain something to me? Is the Holy Spirit, I thought he was inside us, but you made it sound like he's around us. Is the Holy Spirit in us? The Holy Spirit is the gifting inside of us that God has gifted when we it's were saved. present in our lives. So he's not inside other people unless they're saved? I believe that the Holy Spirit in the scripture is, is pretty, pretty point blank on it. I, I feel that the Holy Spirit is what we have as a gift, a deposit of Jesus inside of us until he returns. So it's not a deposit that's around us. It's, I don't believe that the it's, Holy Spirit is just in, a fog or whatever we want to call it that floats around everywhere. I believe that it's something that's inside of us. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let me leave you with this scripture as we're, we're, getting, we're running out of time. Flip to Titus real fast. Um, it's a little bitty book. We probably don't go there as often as we should, but there's something incredibly powerful found in Titus chapter 3, which is only three chapters. So if you're looking for something good to read, um, if you need to sing the song, Titus and Philemon, right there before you get to Hebrews, um, right after Second Timothy, Titus chapter 3, um, verse let me read this over and we'll finish. And if you want to ask me something about that, I'll wait out front and we can hopefully um, do that. It says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. And listen to this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Love this. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These, are things, these things are excellent and profitable to everyone. We are saved through the grace and 
love of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And we should show that same mercy and that same forgiving spirit to everybody who puts in our path. And now the, the tricky part of this is now, is when I pray and we say amen and we go out there and somebody cuts us off in traffic and we don't run them into the guardrail. <laughs> or we get home and we have that email and you're, it's started because I guarantee you it's going to. This is where it begins, is now. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Um, God, I don't know why you love me. Um, God, I, honestly, I struggle with loving myself 90% of the time, and yet you show me unconditional, unfailing love. So God, help me show that to the people you put around me. God, I pray that I wouldn't be hypocritical now in what we just talked about, but when I leave this place, God, that my words would be uplifting and honoring of you, and God, that they would be more concerned about the body of Christ and less concerned about me. And God, I, I just ask that me personally, Jesus, that you would, God, make me less concerned about being right and more concerned about being righteous. Jesus, can, please continue to forgive me. And God, please forgive me of the times that I've caused grief of your spirit that's inside of me. And God, for my friends and family in front of me right now, as we leave this place and as Satan attacks us, would you help us to show your spirit of forgiveness? And God, would you give us the strength and the wisdom to stop doing the stupid things that we do continuously and start doing what we know that we should through you? And we can't do that without your help, Jesus. So would you please help us with that? And if right now, God, if anger and bitterness has dwelt in our hearts, would you please get rid of that and help us to forgive? And God, right now, for, for this man in, in this little church in Texas, God, I just pray that you would bless him tremendously with your presence. Pour yourself out over him and his family and his home. And we, Jesus, we ask this in your, your unfailing and beautiful name. Amen. Guys, thank you for coming tonight. Hope you have a great week.